This is The Healthy Sensitive, episode 35. Welcome, everybody, to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people and introverts who are trying to figure out how to go out there, live a full life, fully enjoy themselves without feeling like they have to deplete all of their energy reserves and sacrifice their sanity to do it. I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, and what I would like to talk about this week is the idea of gut instinct. I'm pretty vigilant in general. Uh, I tend to be someone who likes to use their logic and rationality, and I very much like to cost-benefit analysis things sometimes to death. And I'm often told that I should trust my gut instincts more often. But what I'm kind of curious about is, well, number one, what does that even mean? I mean, I know it instinctively, or (laughs) I guess you could say I have a gut feeling about it. I know what I've been told about what it has means to have gut instincts. I know I'm often told that I should trust them. And the general sense that I'm getting is that there's this initial response, a gut response, if you will, that we all get on some level and that we should all just sort of allow to guide us in the directions we need to go. And that if we did that more often, we may have fewer problems. We might fall in love with the right mate or fall in love more often. I don't know. But that's the idea. We have a gut instinct and sometimes we get into trouble by not listening to it. But I don't know if that's always true. And to what extent is gut instinct different from just emotions? Because I often will have a knee-jerk emotional reaction that maybe I should listen to, but sometimes I've found it to be fruitful not to, or at least to challenge them. And a lot of the research out there about how we make decisions suggests that, you know, we already pretty much do that even without realizing it. You know, when we fall in love, we don't actually use our intellect very much. It's a sense, a feeling that we get. If we, uh, even when we vote, I would love to say that we Americans vote intellectually based on the issues, but we never do. It's almost entirely emotion that has us showing up at the polls, with some exceptions, I'm sure. But for the most part, I mean, the reason why Bush lost against, or excuse me, won against Gore, most people agree, uh, is because Bush was more seductive. He was better at using stories to connect with people. And people wanted that emotional connection, even though Gore, and again, I'm only saying this based on objective bullet points on a resume. Gore had a better resume, but Bush won. I'm not trying to say that Gore should have won or shouldn't have. I'm not going there at all. I'm just saying in terms of a resume. And then even more recently, look at Hillary Clinton versus Trump. If you're just looking at a resume, Hillary Clinton should have been a shoe in She had the political experience, but she wasn't the one we voted for. She wasn't as seductive. So we already kind of do that, and I don't know if I think it's necessarily a good thing. But I have also gotten myself into trouble second-guessing gut instincts that I had very early on, uh, whether it was a job or a partner or, you know, there's plenty of instances where early in with the journey of a thing, I have had some kind of a gut response. Uh, I'll call it an emotional response, perhaps that just was giving me a signal, something's not right, we have to fix it. And I ignored it because I wanted to kind of 
intellectually move through all of the steps and challenge any assumptions I might have. So is it that I don't trust my gut instincts enough, or is it that I only remember those times when challenging those gut instincts didn't serve me well, and so now I'm building a story about how instinct is better than intellect? I don't really know. I mean, it seems like, you know, if, if we operate completely on rationality and we don't trust our emotions or our instincts, really what we're talking about is behaving kind of like machines. I saw a documentary recently, and it was called Triplets, and the whole thing was about twins and triplets who were separated at birth. They were adopted, kids that were being given up for adoption. And these children, same with the parents who adopted them, were not told that they were part of a set, if you will. And part of the reason that they weren't told is that they were used as experimental subjects. They weren't tested on in the sense that needles were pricking them or any danger had befallen them, but there were folks that followed these kids around to assess, okay, so if you have twins, but they're put in two different families, do they behave similarly, even if their upbringing is different? So it was a nature-nurture thing. And the fascinating part of this is that when you hear the psychologists speak on this, they sort of say, well, it was an exciting time in psychology. I mean, this was, you have to understand, I mean, it, it didn't, we didn't think that we were doing anything wrong. But then when you hear the testimonies from twins and triplets who, re, who find one another and who are livid when they discover that somebody knew that they were part of a, they were one of a twin or one of a triplet set of triplets, like, how can you keep that information from me? How can you, we instinctively, or at least I did as I'm listening to it, I instinctively felt a recoiling, a sense of, no, that's not right, and I can't tell you why it's not right exactly, except to say that it, you just, you have to be transparent with people about this. And it, there wasn't a whole lot of logic that was going into that, except just to say you could see the pain on these people's faces when they discovered they were lied to. So there has to be some value in following emotions. But then you listen to the psychologist once again, and you don't perceive her as being ruthless or cruel. It, the sense is that they're trying to help people at large. So I guess what I'm saying here is if we were only to rely on our intellect and our curiosity, I do think we might get ourselves into some serious trouble. I in no way want to compare this experiment that was done here to Nazi Germany, but those were comparisons that were made in the documentary because so many experiments were done in Germany. And like it or not, some of the information that we gleaned, we got from those experiments were extremely useful, quote unquote, if by useful what we mean is we extracted a lot of information about the breaking point of the human body. But is it right to have experimented on them at all? My instincts tell me no. So when we only have curiosity and intellect, as in, can we do this thing? Is it possible to do this thing? Without having something to hold it in check and ask, should we do this thing? We can get into trouble. But in the same vein, we can also get into trouble with just following the whim of whatever emotional state we have and whatever instincts seem to be pulling us in either direction. So, what do we trust? Al... Oh my, I don't know how to pronounce this gentleman's name. Pitampali? Anyway, his name is spelled P-I-T-T-A-A-M-P-A-L-L-I. -T -T -A -A -L -L and he talks about instinct, or rather intuition. And what he says is, 
you know, if you want to know if you can trust whatever intuitive sense that you're getting, it really boils down to two things. The first is practice. How often have you had this experience or this situation come up in your life? The more often you've had it, the better your intuition will likely be. So the, the idea here is that with the human mind, intuition isn't just like a button you switch. Oh, and now I'm going to listen to my intuition. It's your, your brain creates a sensation that we call intuition using data that we extract from our experiences. And it picks up all of these different experiences, culminates them all together, and starts building patterns that we then respond to. So as an example, if you're talking about a poker player who's been playing for a decade, he might just have this intuitive sense of what's going on. Maybe it's just all rational, maybe he's just a really good count, you know, card counter, but something about what's going on in the game that they're playing, he just has a gut instinct about. Well, if he's had 10 years of experience, he should probably trust those instincts. If you compare that to someone who's just started to play poker, and maybe this guy has been in the game for a few months, he might get this very strong instinct, some, some intuitive sense of what he should do, and then he might discover that his intuition was dead wrong. It, he didn't have enough practice. He didn't have enough experiences with that particular data set to be able to extract a reliable conclusion. So one piece of what makes up our intuition is exposure and practice. So then in that case, I mean, I've, I meet all kinds of people every day all the time. I'm constantly meeting new people. So you would think with all of the people that I meet on a daily basis that I would be really good then at intuiting when I'm dealing with a good or a bad person, if there even really is such a thing. Or I guess I should say a person with malintent versus a person with good with a positive intent. But this actually gets kind of tricky because there's a second part of it and it's called validity. So it's one thing to have practice and it's another thing for that practice to be done in a setting that has validity. So this is still Allaghan. I'm saying his first name because I can pronounce it. Uh, he talks about validity and uses an example of a firefighter. Firefighters have, are constantly exposed to some really dangerous situations. Their intuition about when a house is about to crumble is probably very, very good. You, you can get a sense of these things because there's, a, there's validity to the experiences they're having. You know, there's certain noises that just always will happen right before a building is about to collapse. There's certain uh, tells, maybe it's the temperature or the air pressure or something happens and then shoop, okay, something's got it. You know, we've got to do something fast here, folks. That's different from, say, someone who is trying to gauge whether or not a singer is likely to make it big because there's way too many complex factors going in. The person may be a good singer, but according to whom? And the tastes of a larger public can change on a whim. There's nothing that can, there's no way to know when an, an entire mass of people are all going to culminate or, uh, you know, band together to validate the talents of one artist. It's just too nuanced. There's too many variables. And this, for the same reason, often what'll, like, we may think, for example, that we're very good at reading people. Well, Maybe. Maybe we are. I mean, certainly someone who's constantly reading new people all the time may be good. But for the most part, most of us are just good at reading the, those emotions of the people we know very, very well. We've had enough experience to assess their emotions, and there's validity. It's the same person that we get to see over and over and over again, but just in a series of different uh, circumstances. 
But on the flip side, we as a human group tend to be much less good at reading new people because even though the cues that we're getting are similar to the cues we've seen before of people who might be upset, there's no way to know if this person in this circumstance is actually upset. Maybe that's an expression they use ordinarily. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I have, pardon my language, resting bitch face. We may read that as a signal that they're angry when in fact, no, this is just my face. So as a rule, we tend to be good at reading the emotional state of our loved ones, but much less good at reading the emotional state of a new person we've only just met. This is also true with, um, you know, I guess they were talking about finances, like in terms of accounts payable. A lot of these financial gurus are great with accounts payable, but not as good at identifying fraud. So we might have plenty of practice with a thing, but that doesn't mean it's happening in, a, in an environment or in a set of circumstances that, are, that have a lot of validity. So this kind of is a weird conundrum then. When should we trust our intuition and when should we challenge it? Long pause here because I'm kind of letting you think about that. <laughs> there is another writer who also wrote an article in uh, Psychology Today, Dr. Reynolds. She wrote the book Outsmart Your Brain, How to Make Success Feel Easy. And she talks about intuition and gut instinct, and uh, she breaks it down into using a few techniques. So if you're trying to evaluate your logic, what she argues is, you know, first write out what you believe to be true about a situation and what you assume will happen in the future. Then question your assumptions. How do you know this is true? How factual are you perceived risks and rewards, etc.? Uh, become the observer of your own thoughts. Ask, what is causing me to think this way? What belief is forming this thought? Um, practice, be practice beginner's mind, which is basically just assume that you don't know anything. <laughs> um, and argue with yourself. You know, actually start putting in play some, some, what would a good debater debate? Which points would they debate on? And in terms of listening to your gut, uh, she has some tools there, too. She re uh, recommends gauging your reaction, like your body's physical reactions, and trying to slow your body's processes down. So taking in a deep breath, uh, you know, calming down the system. Basically, she's talking about building capacity. It's about trying to reduce the anxiety and the noise so that whatever it is that you're feeling, you can be more like you'll be more likely to uh, be able to pick up on the right signals rather than just reacting on emotions. So it's four steps. Breathe and relax. Um, ask yourself, what is my gut saying? Does my gut reaction match what I most value? Am I too scared to say or do what my gut is saying? Um, then, and the third, explore the context. Are other people telling me what I should do, but my gut is rebelling? And then finally, tell your gut what you now choose. Declare your choice out loud and see if their gut tightens or relaxes. So it's sort of like what she's arguing here is you want to try and use both your intellect as well as your gut instincts. Don't rely on one or the other. Be willing to challenge your ideas. Be willing to even potentially challenge your gut instincts. But don't ignore your gut instincts. Neither should you ignore your intellect. And so what she's ultimately saying is, you know, whether, if you, have, whether you have a lot of practice and validity, these are some techniques you can use to balance intellect with gut instinct. Why is this important for highly sensitive people? I mean, I guess this is an important topic really for anyone. But I think for highly sensitive people, because, well, highly sensitive people are often told, 
oh, we have such great intuition. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I've, there are plenty of examples of uh, events that have happened in my life where I had a gut instinct about a thing and I chose not to listen to it. And it turned out good. And there are times when I chose to listen to it and it turned out poorly. So I don't know if my gut instincts were always on. I will say, though, when they have been on, they've generally been accurate from the beginning. So I've never been able to change my gut instinct about a thing or whatever emotional reaction I was getting. That never shifted. And I don't know if highly sensitive people are right more often than they're wrong when they follow those instincts, that, that intuition. But I do think it's possible that because highly sensitive people have a tendency to be more neurotic and therefore more uh, vigilant about their surroundings and about their experiences, so not so much like vigilant as in, oh, they're just so aware of everything going on around them, but rather they're extremely aware of how their systems are responding to their environment. And so because they're constantly looking around in their environment and then assessing, okay, how's my body responding to this? There is, I mean, they're picking up a lot of data and they're like uh, accumulating it. And so they might possibly be accumulating more patterns to refer back to. So this is just a guess of mine. I'm thinking it could be possible highly sensitive people just are assessing data points more frequently so that when they do make what we could call a gut instinct response or an intuitive response, it might be more likely to be correct just because of sheer practice. I don't really know. Um, it, this is a topic that, again, it's, it's befuddling me because it, it affects my interpersonal relationships probably more than anything because I would love to know if I could have get good spidey senses about partners, friendships, colleagues, etc., um, and it's also, I would love it if I could trust my gut instincts on things like uh, career changes. What is my gut telling me? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I try this? Should I try that? Often it's really ambiguous. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's not so ambiguous, but I'm just so used to challenging my assumptions that I'm not allowing myself to really feel into what my gut is telling me. I don't know. Or maybe it's that I want something to happen so bad, and there's that emotional stuff, which highly sensitive people are known for. And in the wanting of it, I'm clouding out what my instincts might be telling me about what I need. And this gets back to this difference between what a want and a need is. I might really, really want a relationship with this person because they're such a good person. But maybe there's something fundamental that I need that I, I, I instinctively know I wouldn't get from them, and then I need to let it go but I wasn't able to hear that intuitive response because I was too busy talking out loud about how badly I want the thing. <laughs> it's, I, the phrase that I got from, uh, you hear a lot, like meditation is what is the act of listening, but prayer is the act of talking. Uh, a lot of times people in, in prayer are so preoccupied with what they want, they miss out on answers that may, are, may be right there in front of them. So I, I don't know. I mean, as a highly sensitive person and as an introvert, I don't necessarily think I, we're better at or worse than uh, other people. Better at other people. Wow. Uh, I remember when I used to be able to speak well. Those were good times. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're better at gut spidey senses things than the average person. I, I really don't. I do think, though, 
we, when we have a gut response, our gut responses are pretty strong. And at the same time, our willingness to challenge those gut assumptions are extremely strong because we don't have a whole lot of data or, or rather intellectual, uh, I guess data. I don't know. I mean, when I have a gut response, I also want to make sure that whatever response I'm getting has an intellectual basis that I can ground it in. Often when we get these responses, they tend to be potent. At least that's my experience. You know, highly sensitive people, when they get a gut response, it's strong. But most of the folks I listen to will tell me, yeah, I don't want to just follow that, though, because so much of my experience is emotionally strong. Everything in life pulls at me and tugs at me. So maybe it's just that intuition is one more example of that. You know, I feel things deeply. So maybe when I hear my intuition talking to me, it's louder than most. And so what, I've, what we often will learn to do is compensate for that by being very loud with our rebuttals. I wish I had an answer for when we should follow our, intuition, our intuitive sense just unequivocally and when it's much more appropriate to stop and to really challenge it. I wish I knew because if I did, I think maybe living life would be so much easier but I don't. <laughs> I'm really curious to know if any of you listeners out there have some experience with this and how you navigate this, the tug of war between on the one hand wanting to honor what your intuition is telling you while at the same time wanting to challenge assumptions that might be faulty. What tools do you use? What strategies do you use? I mean, is there anything that I've brought to the table today that sound familiar to you or is there something completely different? I would love to hear what you have to say. Um, if you want to write in, please go to www.thehealthysensitive.com. Um, you can go look, click on the button that says contact me and write in any notes that you have. Um, you can also write notes directly through uh, the podcast. So whatever floats your boat and strikes your fancy, my beloved listeners. <laughs> in the meantime, I look forward to checking in with you next week, and I hope you have a fabulous day. Take care.